Sean White, action sports superstar. You're going extremely fast. It's just this amazing flying feeling. The hair. I am so sorry, ma'am. You know, he's terrified that he just walked into the ladies' room. His blue-collar upbringing. My parents, they just made it happen. The enormity of winning at the Olympics. Forever you'll be known as Sean White, the gold medalist. And the balance that comes from being a two-sport athlete. I can honestly say that if it wasn't for skateboarding, I would not be snowboarding. We traveled to New York City to sit down with Sean White. All that's coming up next right here on the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. Tell, tell about the uh, six-inch scar that you have in the center of your chest. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was one of those things. I mean, I was I was born with a heart defect. It's a tetralogy of Fallot. And, um, you know, I had a couple open heart surgeries when I was just a baby. When I was about one years old. And um, it's just funny how things work out because I ended up being, you know, uh, you say, it non, you say it nonchalantly, but yeah, I mean, two I open heart surgeries. Yeah. Were... I mean, I, I don't feel it as much because I wasn't you know, I don't remember it. It's one of those things where I, I see the scar and I see the photos and I can't even put two and two together. I'm like, how can that be me? I don't understand. Um, and you still have metal left in your chest? I have from leads it? for a pacemaker, um, which is interesting because in my sport, you know, there's, there's bumps and bruises and there's concerns, but I can't get MRIs because it's a, it's a very magnetic and electrical current that's going out. When you have open wires to your heart, it's not a good call. I'm all, come on, let's do it. Let's just roll the dice. What's, what's the worst? Yeah, right. <laughs> make it happen. And my doctor's like, no. So Please what, don't make what's us the work do this. Or, what's the workaround on that? Like, huh? How do you get checked out then? Um, it's a strange process. of a, It's like a dye contrast CAT scan. So they, they pretty much like inject some dye, and then they, they go through the CAT scan and, and certain uh, x-rays. And, and if the fluid gets into other areas, then you know that there's like a tear or something in the, in the soft tissue. Because that's what uh, MRIs show. It's like the cartilage. Um, so I, you know, recently I had this like weird shoulder injury and, and uh, had to go in and do the whole process. But I'm used to it now. I mean, I was doing it since I was a young, young kid. But um, it's never held me back. It's never been one of those things where my parents were like, you can't do this because of this. Right. You know, they just encouraged me. and, and from having that very scare, you know, big scare early on in life, and then me choosing the sport of skateboarding and snowboarding, you know, um, at the time it was, you know, an outlaw sport. It was just like one of those things where, you know, this like wild group of guys were barely even allowed to be on the mountains, and and um, even skateboarders were like breaking into people's backyards to skate their, you know, dried up pools in the summertime. Yeah. I mean, it was this this pretty wild sport, and um, and my parents. Not that they you know, enjoyed those things, but they just supported me. They're like, you want to do it? That's great. And then it became a family thing. I think your mom's parents were roller involved derby, in yeah. roller derby. Yeah, your dad's uh, you know, big into surfing. Your, both of your siblings are I'm named into after Sean Tomsick, uh, the surfer. I think it was your mom that actually made the decision to put you on snow, uh, snowboard initially, right? Because you were just six years old and going crazy on skis and she was trying yeah. to slow you down. But so at age seven, I mean, just a year after you tried snowboarding for the first time, mm -hmm. you win a competition for 12 year olds and under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you think you got it so quickly? I don't know. I mean, I just feel like I had started skateboarding a little bit earlier in the year 
and um, my parents put me on a snowboard and it was one of those things where they they did they assumed that it was going to slow me down so immediately that was a challenge to show them that like mm -hmm. you know ah, no I'm not going to fall all day I'm going to be I'm going to beat you down the mountain right and um, it's just kind of that mindset and attitude I've had you know, I, I think it's just in me um, but um, I feel like you know, their, their plan definitely backfired, but for me at that point, it gave me my outlet. I was like, this is great. This is something I want to do. And, and once you, like, you know, I was standing there, I won the contest, I got a little medal. I'm like, this is great. This is amazing. I feel, you know, this fulfillment. And that's where it really began. And they're like, okay, well, let's see if we can, I mean, I had a giant snowboard. They weren't making kids boards at that time. And that's really how the sponsorship came about as I, I um, had my parents contact, uh, I didn't have them, but, but they ended up contacting Burton Snowboards and they were making a kid's line at the time. And I just remember being the little kid standing there like, here's the snowboard, like, yeah, keep, keep doing well, we'll give you another one. And right. that's all the you know, encouragement I needed. And so that's what really took off. And I'm sure your parents must have been thrilled for you, but at the same time, I mean, t to enable you to kind of pursue your snowboarding dream, it was something like a $20,000 a year commitment. And you, you came yeah. from a blue collar family. I mean, your mom was a waitress, your dad, you know, was involved with like digging ditches for yeah, the city. city. So, I mean, a, a sizable <laughs> commitment they had to make. Yeah. How were they able to make it work? I just know they just, they just made it happen. I mean, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but I was like, I was like 12 at the pass office forever. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, or eight, you know what I mean? To get the little kid's right. ticket. They just made it work. They, we drove up there. They ended up buying this van. Big um, Mo. Yeah, the Big Mo. Um, it, it wasn't really a van and it wasn't a motor home. It was like the in-between. And they took it down to Mexico and they had it like reupholstered and then we took it up to the mountains and that was kind of like our home, you know, away from our home. That was like my other life. I would go in this van and we'd be together and, and it really brought my family together, but that's what they were doing. And then once it got more serious and I needed to travel and, and be in Japan and be in these places, they just started pulling, uh, you know, taking loans on the house. How would you uh, shower? Um, <laughs> oh, that was it. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this. So we would, it depended on where we were, but I remember specifically we would, we would love to camp out in Oregon because it's good, there's great campsites, it's in the woods, really fun, and, and uh, I just remember that when we couldn't get access to like somebody's house or some sort of hotel scenario, um, <laughs> there was hot water at this one rest stop and we knew that and so I, we would fill up these <laughs> jugs of water, you know, the gallon, gallons of milk, and so you'd have two, two of them, and you would do the one, get wet, soap up, and then do the second one. Um, and I just remember, I just remember at one point, um, I just thought this was the greatest thing ever, ever because my, my dad was going for his shower, and he, was, he, he had the second, um, I'm sorry, he had the, the first, uh, gallon of water on him, all soaked up, and my brother turned the car lights on and backs up and starts honking at the rest stop, and everybody's <laughs> looking over, and I'll never forget just seeing him running off into the woods, soaped <laughs> up, just the embarrassment. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved it. It was, you know, how we did things, and so, um, I mean, those were the best times. I mean, my, my, my mom bought this little stove, and she would cook food in the van. And then you guys upgraded as you and your siblings got older, so it wasn't the five of you living in a van anymore when you were on the road. You guys all shared a one-bedroom 
uh, a hotel room, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. where you guys we, cooked something. Yeah, we'd always, you know, end up in like Motel 6 or something like that or just some some hotel room. And you're only allowed to have like two two people or so in those rooms. So we had the whole family of five and we're cooking it up and, and we have the shower cap over the... Uh, the fire alarms, so you know the smoke when it when it set it off, but it always went off. And so my my childhood memories were us like hiding in the bathroom when the manager came by, so we didn't get kicked out of the hotel for having too many people. Um, but it was great. I mean, it was just like you know I now when I look back, I'm like, wait a minute, that might have been a little <laughs> yeah right. a little bit much. But um, you know at the time I was like, this is great. This is the best. With, with that in mind, when you're 15 years old. And you win your second professional contest. I think you get something like fifty thousand dollars, and then yeah. a car on top of it. I mean, what's that moment like for you and your family? Uh, it was just surreal. I just remember the backstory of it is pretty amazing too, because I remember we I flew to Japan, and I had to pay my way there, and I was paying for the hotel and and everything, you know, food. My my mom and I, and I remember that a lot of the riders had gone out the night before. So obviously when they show up the day of the competition, maybe they had a bit of a, a little hangover and they're, you know, their heads are hurting and nobody liked the jump. Nobody was really riding that well. And I'm 15 or so, yeah, I'm 15 and I'm standing there and everybody wanted to, to split the prize money. And I'm like, man, like that doesn't even cover the cost of me getting here. I wanna compete. I liked the jump at the time. And uh, I, ended up, I ended up holding out when they wanted all, everybody wanted to split the money and I held out and I won. And so I'm standing there with like, and they give it to you in cash. And I'm just standing there like, what am I doing with all this? Like, you know, is that of a crazy movie? And I, all I remember is that I, I saw Happy Gilmore and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that they gave me a giant check. <laughs> I couldn't, I could care less about the stacks of money. I was just like, I got the, I got the big check. Did you really uh, uh, I did. have your, no, no, <laughs> did, did, your True. metal, uh, gold medal dry cleaned? Oh man, <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> my mom, I, gosh, well, I was I was doing so many talk shows at the time that I had my Olympic medal in my pocket, and I was you know showing it, and people were kind of handling it, and it was getting around, and and one night, a friend of mine was like, you know, you're way too modest, like we're gonna bring this thing out tonight. I'm like, okay, well you can hang on to it because I don't want to be that guy, um, and. So I just remembered there it was like the ribbon of the metal was getting quite, you know, dirty. And so my mom, you know, I just couldn't find it one day. And she's like, oh, I took it to the dry cleaner. I'm like, what do you mean you took it to the dry cleaner? <laughs> and she didn't think this was absurd at all. And then we show up and, and, and they full on, it's like the hanger with the metal and the plastic. And they're all, oh, here you go. Did they actually know what it was? I mean, I'm not sure. Was, I'm okay. pretty, I think so. But they handed it to like, here you go. And the only part that she was upset with is that it was, it was a little over $5. And she's like, this much fabric? I mean, come on, like, yeah, right. <laughs> cut us a deal. <laughs> that was the only thing she was upset about. How many times did you lose the medal? I've misplaced it maybe once or three, four times. Three or four times? <laughs> yeah. Um, because I don't really take it out too often. It's one of those things that, that you kind of like, you know, keep in a safe place. and. Um, Occasionally I'll bring it out and then there's so much going on that I kind of rely on people around me After my snowboard contest like I have to find everything again because I'll walk up and you'll be like hey I'll be like hey get hold my helmet real quick And then I'll have somebody hold my board and then my and then I get back to the hotel like oh man Where's all my stuff? 
Yeah. And so it's, it was one of those scenarios where I think I handed it to somebody and I just couldn't find it. And then one, one day we found it in the like, in the back pocket of the um, passenger seat in the car. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no but I love doing that. I, I would call people. I mean, my agent at the time, you know, he liked, you know, he was cool having the responsibility of holding the medal, but he didn't like it at all. He's just like, because I'd get that call. And I'm like, you have my medal, right? Yeah. And that, that horrible moment of panic would go through like, I do. Hold on, wait. Bedside table. Okay. You know, <laughs> it's like. The summer uh, X Games uh, 2007, how would you compare winning gold in that in skateboarding mm -hmm. to, you know, either of the Olympic gold medals? That for me was, was I think, just as, just as pivotal, I mean, of a, of, a, of a win. It was so important to me because ever since I've been a kid, I've been just as serious at both sports. Um, I never did the amateur competitions in skateboarding because I was always doing the professional snowboarding events. And I never really had time to do both. It was just like opposite seasons. I'm like, look, I'm doing all this during the winter and I can't go back and forth. But um, I decided to go pro at 16. And it was amazing because at that moment, I had just made this leap to winning all of the snowboard competitions at 16. Um, I'd won two gold medals at X Games and I was becoming this very successful snowboarder. And then I started all the way at the bottom of the barrel again in skateboarding. I had to work my way up. So I'm like winning all this stuff here and I was, I was like very torn inside. It was really uncomfortable for you. Right? Yeah, it was awkward and I was like the new kid at the ramp. I was like the snowboarder guy. And I'll never forget it. I show up at X Games and I drop in and it's, I'm, I'm like really nervous to be there and everybody's kind of looking. I drop in, I do my air and my truck from my skateboard goes flying off. That's a horrible thing. I don't like. I don't know if I I didn't tighten it or it just exploded and everyone's heckling me from the deck. Oh, that wall must have been slushy. Oh yeah, tighten your bindings and like all this stuff and you know pull his past like all this stuff. You know I I I was just so embarrassed and I remember kind of like getting back into it and, and and working my way up through through the ranks in skateboarding. So when I actually won. Um, the Summer X Games, it meant that I had finally accomplished what I've always dreamed of as being at the same level in both sports. To actually win something on snow and then go win something in the summertime on a skateboard. Your friend and uh, mentor, Tony Hawk, says uh, the stuff that comes easily to him is stuff that took me years to develop, and that's his warm-up. All right on. What do you think of that? That's an honor. I mean, Tony's a great guy. He's one of those guys that um, extremely talented, super nice. Um, and, and really presentable. I mean, he's one of those, those people that, I mean, when he was around, he was going through all of the things that I was just about to go through. And what an amazing thing for me at the time to, to watch someone, like his video game had just come out, he'd landed his big trick, um, you know, skateboarding, everything was like just on the rise and it was really blowing up again. And he was getting approached by so many people and all these things were going on. I was just, it's not so much that he kind of like told me like what to do or kind of took me under his wing in, in a way but it was more like he was just there for me to like observe and at a really early age too, yeah right? yeah very early I mean I was on tour with those guys when I was like 13 or so and um, you know it was amazing it was one of the best times ever they had a big bus and they're traveling around and the fact that they brought me in I felt like 
you know, like very accepted, very part of that culture and that group, and it really led me to becoming pro in skating later on. So you're at the top of your profession in two sports, skateboarding and uh, snowboarding. How, how does one sport help the other? Um, What's well, funny you ask, because normally people would consider the sports ex exactly the same, but they're not. I mean, snowboards are twice the size. You know, you're dealing with edges and snow conditions and all these different things. Um, you know, to truly do both sports, I'm literally the only guy that, that competes in both events. Uh, I'm sorry, in both sports. But um, I feel like my snowboarding helps my skateboarding because of the size of things. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm doing such big airs in the, in the half-pipe snowboarding that once I get on the vert ramp, it doesn't seem that big to me. It's not as intimidating. So a lot of the points and scores that I get from my skateboard, you know, the judges, is because I'm doing everything so high up in the air. And it's exciting and more difficult. Okay. But I get that from snowboarding and that kind of like focus. Um, but definitely the, the ability to like control my body and to know, um, you know, because skateboarding is so much more technical. You're not strapped in. You know, your board could just fly away at any moment and you have to catch it, bring it back, like do all these different things. I'm flipping my body while flipping the board. And so it's so much going on at, a, at once uh, you know, during any various trick, but it's, it's that kind of coordination. I think the balance is what really helps my snowboarding. Because once I get to the snow, I'm like, oh, this is so simple. All I got to do is just spin myself. I don't got to worry. That's going to stay there. I don't got to worry about it flying away. Um, but... Uh, but you said the transition, I mean, when you go from one season to the other can be kind of painful at yeah. times because you almost have to is it relearn many of the tricks that you've known for a while. Yeah, it's terrible. It's like... And, they, and I mean, that's really the case? Like, you actually have to teach yourself how to do some of it again? Yeah, I do. Every single time. It's awful. I've, I've gotten better to where I can, I can learn faster. I catch up a lot faster nowadays but um there's those first like m you know a couple months or so where it's just awful i try to skate in private going to snowboarding is pretty easy for me mm -hmm. but going from snowboarding to skating is extremely hard like there's like a feeling you get that you have through your shoes where you know your board is under you and you kind of lose that when you're not on it that often and it's just awkward like my stance on a snowboard is extremely wide and then on my skateboard, it's very small, and you're in shoes instead of big boots and stuff. And so, um, and there's so many little kids that they're really good. They're amazing. And they're at the skate park, and I, I'm just terrified to go, like, skate with them. You know what I mean? They're like, stick to snowboarding! You know, they're just like, they're like, you know, and they're just joking around. But it's like that, that scenario of, like, I know I'm, I'm good at the sport. It just takes me a while to get back into it. So it's this very shameful process, like getting to that. Would you, I know they're completely different seasons, but would you do one one week and one another week, or do you really have to have, uh, you know, a starting point and a stopping point for each one because it's a, a decent kind of shift? Well, it is, yeah. I mean, I could always skate and then go to snowboarding, like I was saying, but I could never, I could never snowboard and then just jump on a skateboard. Okay. It just wouldn't work out. Um, but I can honestly say that if. It wasn't for skateboarding. I would not be snowboarding. Still, I would. I would have quit a while ago. I think. How would you explain the mindset of trying to just constantly improve? Um, it's a it's a mixture of of being curious of what's possible and then and then slight boredom. You know, if you learn guitar and you and you and you 
you know, had been playing for 10 years, a very simple song isn't going to cut it anymore. You know, you want that, that something new, something exciting, a new amp, a new guitar, a new something. And so when I'm on the snow and I'm, or I'm on the skateboard, it's the same scenario. I'm like, gosh, I want to learn something new. Like, what, what, what can I do? What can I do? And uh, a lot of the times, you know, when you hit that point, you look at the people around you and you kind of draw inspiration from them. So if you and I were skating and, and um, you, know, you, you did some trick, yeah, was, <laughs> later today, it'll, yeah, be, it'll right. be great. It'd be entertaining. Um, you know, I'll try a trick and you'll be like, well, maybe I could do that. And then we'll see. If <laughs> right. And what are your favorite tricks? I mean, by far, my favorite tricks in general are just big, slow spins. It's the most fun. You know, it's intimidating to do like a double flip McTwist. You know, like you're going for multiple flips and spins and, you know, hoping for the best outcome and those things. Like the most enjoyable moment for me is is just doing a huge air and I'm I'm flying up through the air and I don't know, there's a there's a moment where you're not going up anymore, but you're not going down. You know, you've hit that apex of your jump and you're just kind of floating there. And once you get comfortable enough, like I can look around, I can like kind of like survey what's going on. It's, it's just this amazing flying feeling. And you're going extremely fast, and it's just this kind of like this rush. It's just an amazing thing. So that's my favorite. And you, you actually, obviously, as do other snowboarders, create the tricks. Um, but there's something similar to like writer's block in oh, creating yeah. the tricks, right? That's what I was talking about earlier. I mean, it's the, the, the time away from the board is even just as important as the time on because um, if you're there and you're not motivated, you're, you're just hitting this wall. You can't learn any new tricks. You can't do anything. You're not excited to be there. You might as well just leave. It's, it's just kind of pointless. Um, but some competitors don't know that. They just sit there all day long and it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like over the years I've learned that. And if a trick doesn't look effortless, it's not there yet. Why is yeah. that? I don't know. I've just been kind of like a a perfectionist in that sense. I mean, I've had tricks that I could do, but they didn't look good when I, you know, would perform them. They didn't look like I, I, you know, had mastered it, so it wasn't ready. You know what I mean? It's like the rough draft of the, of the speech you're gonna make. It's like it's it's close, but it's just not ready to to have me stand and say it to all these people. It's it's one of those things where you want to like really get to know it and and have it down. So when you go up there, you you own it. Like, wow, he did an amazing thing there. And how important is it to you to visualize the trick first? I mean, that's everything. I, I can kind of picture the whole run beforehand. And that's all part of it. Like I was. And why is it everything? Um, I would say if you if you if you look at me in the sense, I'm not I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the the you know the strongest guy out there on the mountain. But somehow I can I can go bigger sometimes than others and I can I can do certain things that others can't because I feel like my mindset is in a better place than them. Maybe they're concerned about a certain trick in their run or maybe you know they're thinking about something else, their mind's not in it. And when I show up I've been able to like over time, this isn't this never just happened. It just kinda like became through, you know, time and time again, doing it over and over, losing events and winning events and um, you know, I get up there and I can see the whole run. And so I just picture it. I'm like, okay, this trick, that trick, and it's all going to happen. And then, and then I just match what was in my mind to what I'm actually doing. Um, it's bizarre to say or sound, you know, it's like a premeditated thing where you just know what's going to happen and then you just let it be.
you, know, you can't think too much. That's why I was saying it's a mixture of like focus and not caring because if you if you focus too hard on certain things, it just it'll just get in your way. You got to let it happen, and and you have so much muscle memory at this point from doing these tricks over and over. You just got to let it let it happen. We couldn't uh, have you here without obviously talking about the hair. I've had some funny scenarios where I was in the bathroom at the airport, and um, you know, because I wear like skinnier fitting jeans, and I. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom and I'm like washing my hands at the sink and this guy comes in behind this older gentleman and he's just the horror in his face you know he's like oh my I am so sorry ma'am um I'm so sorry <laughs> you know he's terrified that he just walked into the ladies room and I'm just standing there like oh my god just get out of here <laughs> one columnist uh, that I read had a great quote a glorious mane a titan curtain of tonsorial uh, Splendor. Mm. Uh, we, I would concur with that. Yeah, would you? I would. We, we, had, we had people um, submit questions uh, online for the interview, and 30% of the submitted questions were about your hair. Um, you know, for me, it's funny because I was, uh, gosh, I was in elementary school, and I think it's like when Ricky Martin came into play, like he, he had some hit songs and like that hairstyle of like, of cutting your hair short and then spiking it with gel became extremely popular. So every every boy at school would show up like that. And I just realized like one day it just wasn't it wasn't really for me. And I didn't want to do what they were doing. You used to have I, short hair. I used to have very right. short hair, yeah. And I just was like, you know what, I'm kinda over that. And I I got through that awkward phase of where it, you know, your your hair isn't like throwing up, it's starting to come down and it and it just kinda became my thing at that point. Um and it defined me from all of my friends at home, at school, and then it just kind of became my defining thing. Your action sports star at the absolute top of, you know, your profession, you have a video game. Tell uh, me about uh, it. Uh, you know, allegedly, uh, <laughs> uh -huh. you know, dating supermodels, marquee, you know, marquee sponsors. You go back to when you were a kid, you know, couple open heart surgeries, taking showers at rest stops, just yeah. you know, your parents trying to make ends meet to enable you to pursue your dream. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you look back on all of this, what's been the best part of the ride? Uh, gosh, I mean, I would just say the, the friends and the traveling and the experiences. I mean, I can tell you, um, you know, like what the sunrise in the mountains in Japan looks like. I can tell you what it's like to be on the beach in Israel, I can tell you, like, I mean, I've been able to travel and see so much, so I feel like it's really rounded out my personality. It's made me who I am today, to see how other people live and how things are, you know, are done in other places of the world. And um, to just enjoy that and then be with my family at the same time, I'm just so thankful of that. You know, I, I have so many friends that, that, you know, like holidays come around, they're like, gosh, I have to go home and see my family. And you're like, wow, it's such a, Bummer, like I, I, I can't wait to see my family. I, I feel so thankful just, you know, leave the snowboarding aside, leave the skating and, and, and all of those things we talked about. Like I just, I'm so happy that my, my family at the core of things is like, is like there for me. I mean, what an amazing thing. I, I, I hope that I could do what my parents did for me, for my kids. I mean, you know, if my son's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a sword fighter. You know, or some scenario, something like that. I, I hope that I have the instinct to just support him in whatever he wants to do, and and um, or her. You know, she's gonna look good. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's 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 definitely the thing that that 
that keeps me grounded, keeps me who I am until this day. You know, I, I thank my mom and my dad, my parents, my family. Really a pleasure. Right on. Thanks, man. Thanks for making the time. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thanks for listening to the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Graham Bensinger. And visit GrahamBensinger.com for TV times in your area. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Graham Bensinger for hours of extra content. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen. This has been the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast.